The following episode of Fofop is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen shaped hole, and mild coarse language. Fofop advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deek speaking. Everyone relax. This is Tofop. Ironically, I'm not relaxed. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Fofop. I'm Will Anderson and uh, joining me, guest Charlie Clawson. Uh, I, I, I don't know if Ramona's going to bark the whole time. If she does, I will have to let her in here and then she might calm down. But uh, Michael Chamberlain is here. Hello, Michael. G'day, mate. How are you? Yeah, I've been, I'm good. I've been hanging out with a dog because I've been staying at Charlie Clawson's place. So he was away for about a week. I've been here for about nearly two. And so I had first oh. week with Junior. Oh, so you were like a Junior's sole custodian. Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. And now, it's, how uh, you find, have you spent time with Junior before? I have spent quite a bit of time. And there have been times when Charlie's been away and I've crashed at his place as well. And uh, and Junior will climb into your bed and you go, oh, that's what that feels like. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, to have a warmth warm, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he, um, so the first, yeah, so we hang out, but... Uh, only yesterday did I get the courage to take him off the leash at the park because I get worried that he'll, you know, all of a sudden, say, make a run for it. That's your big move. Yeah. Like, okay, so we have two, two dogs, Ramona, yep. who's barking outside the door, and Winona, who's the new one. Yeah. And uh, Winnie's, like, uh, 20, 21 months. But, like, when I go walking with Amy, she will leave them both off the lead, and yeah. she's really good with them. Yeah. And we can go the whole way. We can go past other dogs. We can do all that sort of shit. Yeah. But if I go out there on my own... Really? Like, she would be embarrassed at how often they're back on the lead. Yeah, yeah. Because I just don't have the confidence. Yeah, and yeah. And plus I have old man hips, and I know uh, that if they run away, yeah. I am fucked. Well, Junior's leash came off yesterday. Like, the collar around his neck came off, and, uh, and that was a moment of panic. Because then I thought, too, I can kind of catch him, but, you know, the collar is something you can kind of hold on to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was like, this, so I ran very quickly after him and grabbed him. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I've, I don't have too much... Uh, I haven't had too much impact with dogs. Uh, we, I had one that died, you know, about 16, 17 years ago, uh-huh. um, three days before retirement. And uh, <laughs> But since then, I haven't really been around Wasn't many dogs. Wasn't even going to work that last week. Yeah. Wasn't even meant to retire the week before. And he reached up, he grabbed my hand, he said, get Menendez. <laughs> and, you know, and his mum slapped me in the face. Um, oh, but, uh, uh, but my sister's family got a dog. I haven't met it yet, but we got they got a dog about 10 days ago. Uh, a little sort of dog? cavoodle. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, and it's all I know is it's tiny. I've seen a few pictures, but it's called Cyril. Cyril. Yeah, after, after Cyril. Cyril yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So okay, Cyril's now running around. Okay. Now here's a question. This is where things get a little bit more complicated. Is it a brown? Ah, uh, no, <laughs> no. It's kind of like a, I suppose a light brown. Yeah, yeah, a light brown. Yeah. Okay. Because like. Calling it Cyril, if it's like just what any dog, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the minute you're like, hey, it's a, look, it's a little brown dog that scarfers around. Yeah, really- yeah. There was something I saw where they kind of, there was a dog and they gave it a name and people were suggesting that it was a racist name. And it's like, nah, mate. Nah, it's a dog. 
Like, I think it was along the same lines. Like, it was, you know, given us a, 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 an African name and it was a black dog or something. And it's like, no, nah, I think I think we're okay. I don't think we've ever reached that level yet. I don't know, though, because you have to yell out its name in the park. Well, that's not, yeah, and that's true. Like, I can, you can call your, your animals whatever you want yeah. in the privacy of your own home. Yeah, yeah. Like, we call one of our cats Wog. Right? Ah, uh, yep. And, but it's not, you know, a racist, it's, there's no racism behind it. It's not like a Greek or Italian yeah, cat, yeah. you know. <laughs> but, but like, you know, it's just become the nickname through whatever, wherever it came from. Yeah, yeah. But it, I wouldn't yell that out in public. No, that's and so if fun. you give your dog, like, a racist name, if yep. you have a little brown dog who's, like, scuppering around the park, like, impressing everyone, not getting a lot of the touches of the ball that's being thrown, but when he gets the ball, like, he's really good with the ball, like, really yeah. makes a difference. Paddles it between his legs a lot, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you call that dog Cyril, then maybe it's racist. Yeah, true. They um, There was someone tell me they had... Also, I always worry that when I think of things like that, that I'm the racist. Oh, ah, yeah. yeah. That, it, that it occurred to me that yep. that's even thing, <laughs> that, that means that I'm the one who's actually racist. <laughs> You're the problem. Yeah. <laughs> there was, I can't remember where I heard this, but someone said they called their dog Karma. And so when it did something naughty, they could say, bad Karma, bad Karma. <laughs> oh, that was quite clever. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, I... I um, uh, the, I will. I'm so paranoid about losing the dogs. Mm. That's my. That is my big fear. Mm. Um, that when I go for a walk, you know, say it's at night, I like to walk down because I live by the water, and yep. um, there's not many people around at night. So like, I'll go down by the sunset and watch the sunset over the water and walk the dog, and it's really, it's nice. You know, yeah. it's like 45 minutes of your day, but if you're really busy, it kind of refreshes you. But I will put if I have like a jacket on, I will put all my electronics in the jacket because I am always prepared to throw off the jacket and have to dive into the harbour to Uh, get the dog because that's my big fear that for whatever reason they're going to fall into the harbour and I'm going to have to dive in and so now tell me is it an innate thing innate thing in dogs that they know how to swim well they I mean doggy paddle's a thing yeah but is that like something they learn from you know I mean I guess from I mean you know what? Okay, I, I will tell you. Like, so uh, Winnie fell in the pool yep. at the back of the house here, yep. and it was it was Charlie and my fault, mostly uh-huh. Charlie. But I think Charlie and my fault. <laughs> I got blamed equally with Charlie. But like, if there was a video replay, I feel like I would have got a fine and he would have got a week. So take me through that. How do you, how do you how do you position blame in that situation? Okay, well here's what was happening. I was so we have um, five animals. Mm-hmm. So feeding time, like you actually have to have a like routine and I and I feed the cats and the dogs in the morning because I get up earliest so I and I have a way that I can feed them all no one barks at anyone else or like chases anyone else or thinks they have to eat anyone else's food I've got my routine absolutely down pat but there is a routine and you have to do it in the right order and you have to make that work right so Charlie was over and everyone needed to be fed and he just introduced a random element into it and it was that random element that like so then Winnie was chasing the cat's food and I had the cat's food in my hands so all I was doing was feeding the cats in the way that I normally would Uh but he introduced Winnie into that environment she would not ordinarily be there then we tried to you know chase her away from the cat's food and in doing so Uh, herded her into the pool took a time (laughs) 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 and so I would say like seventy five percent Charlie's fault, twenty five percent Mike. No, I think that's fair enough. And do do they eat different food? Oh uh, yeah, okay. Individually? So, well, because okay, so the cats all eat the same thing, uh-huh. although one of them needs medicine. Yeah. So one, so <laughs> I one got of the sickness. So one of the cats, yeah, one of the cats <laughs> has trouble uh, with digestion. Uh huh. So it has to have like a daily laxative essentially. Yeah. Well. And so if I don't put the daily laxative in the cat, the cat essentially just like builds up and builds up. Oh uh, yeah. 
you know, eventually explodes. Explodes, and yeah. That's not, yeah. That's not good. Yeah. So it's potent, isn't it? Like for, and it's like a baby too, but walking junior and something... Like, the poo is quite tiny, yeah. and yet it can really have a pong to it, can't it? Uh, I mean, look, I imagine if you ate what dogs ate, your oh, shit yeah. would not smell great. Yeah, either. that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like, they're not eating the best of the best, despite yeah. what it says on the can or the tin, yeah, you yeah. know. So, um, but yes, absolutely, like, stinks. So, uh, this is my, so I have two cats that eat essentially the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's easy. And third cat who eats the same thing, but with medicine added. But obviously, you need to get the one with the laxity of two, yeah. the appropriate cat. Special delivery, yeah. Because you don't want to lax up. Yeah. Like a <laughs> healthy cat, you know? <laughs> like, then you've got like, then it's double your trouble. Yeah. You've got one constipated cat yeah, yeah. and you've got one ordinarily great but now laxed up cat. <laughs> like that's your nightmare scenario, right? Uh, sometimes if you don't mix in the lax properly, cat won't get into it. Uh-huh. So you've got to... Like, I've got to hide it in a way. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, you've got to hide it in there. You can't just splash it on the top. Well, it's a liquid, but you can't just splash it on the top. You mm. have to kind of mix it in. Bloody hell, particular. So, mix in the lax cat, uh, then do the other two cats. Pretty simple. Then you do the dogs. But mm. the whole time, what you're technically meant to do and what I try to do, but it's not always that easy in the morning, is I'm trying to train the dogs to sit through this whole thing, right? So the first thing I do is I make them go to their bed and sit and stay on the mm. bed. Now, Ramona's pretty good at that. Because um, she knows if she does that, she gets her food at the end. Yep. But Winnie's still a puppy. So she will sit there for a while and then get bored with that and go, why can't I just eat this food that you're handing out to other fuckers, right? So I do... Uh, and Winnie has to have puppy food and uh, Ramona has uh, dog food. Big so boy food, yeah. Yeah, so that's your kind of difference. So that's my what I have to do. Every about third day, which is probably not great for them, but I'm this sort of owner... They, I go to the charcoal chicken shop down the street yeah. and I pay $21 for like a, you know, hot, like, you know, roast chicken yep, and, yep. and they all get some of that. Well, that's what Junior's been eating. He's yeah. been ripping up pieces of chicken to kind of uh, put, and then you kind of go, oh, I want to I have some too. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably my favorite food, actually, barbecue chicken like barbecue, that. Hot yeah. barbecue chicken? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, talk me through this because I love hearing, like I watch a lot of cooking shows. Yeah, oh, I do. I'm vegetarian and people are yep. always like, but you enjoy watching people. I'm like, yeah, it's like, you know, when um, your married mates are the ones who want to hear about all your sexual abuse. Yeah. Like, I have the equivalent of that with food. I love nothing more than hearing people talk about like meat and why they like the meat. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, I let them run through all the specials at like a restaurant. If I go to a fancy restaurant, yeah. where I, I have no intention of eating anything, but the one vegetarian bit know, of food porn. Have, yeah. But I like hearing about it. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a married mate and he talked about play, you know, it must be great playing in the field. Yeah. And it's like, nah, mate, there's no field. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's no meat. Is whatever, um, but uh, see, I, getting back to the, lack, I'm a, I'm I'm a bit like your cat because I'm a gluten free guy, so right. uh, celiac, not just you know one of those, um, so properly, whatever, properly gacked up with it, and um, so I'm I take Metamucil. Um, oh, and Metamucil is I like... I thought that was just for old people. Well, it's kind of... You're not getting fibre and the right. like, oh, yeah. Because that's what uh, all you... That's a lot of stuff that's right. in it, yeah. Um, but Metamucil is like a roll of the dice. Like, it oh. can... You know, there's no... There's no... Yeah. There's no consistent rhyme or reason. There's an absolute fine line between too much and not enough or whatever. There's no even keel. So it's just Mate, like... coffee's like that for me. Yeah, true. Yeah, coffee's like, like that Sometimes well. you just tick, like lighting mm. a fucking time bomb. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, 
Yeah, Charlie and I went to Kevin Smith the other night, and yeah. like he does a Q and A in the first half, and then does a podcast in the second half. So it's like three hours of a Q and A or something. Yeah, like he did. He answered four questions or five questions yeah. in like two hours. Yeah, and it was great, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Like at one stage, someone asked him about George Carlin, and it honestly looked like he didn't have much to say, uh-huh. and then talked for forty five minutes, <laughs> and it was honestly so poetic. It was like he was doing the eulogy at fucking Carlin's funeral. Like that gift of the gab is so incredible. I mean, he's a capacity to mm. be able to tell a story or retell a story that you know, but tell it you know, kind of fresh and for a new time mm. and find new beats in it and jokes in it. It's really fucking amazing to watch. But I'd had three be- beers beforehand and yeah. it'd been a work day for me, so I'd probably had like five coffees. And so at about the hour, I'm gonna say the hour fifteen mark, I started to really be like, I have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. But we're sitting in like row G at the opera house in the middle of the aisle. Ah, that's annoying. And I'm like, I don't want to, yeah. like, I can't be seen to be leaving this thing. But I'm like, how long, much longer is he going to talk before the break? Yeah. You know? And then I held on for another 15 minutes. And then I was seriously in that danger zone of like, you know, when, so I had to sneak past everybody <laughs> and then like run to the toilet. You know, that one where you're just like, because as soon as your body's like, oh yeah, this is on. Yeah. It's like, I can't wait any longer. Isn't it funny how like the body does know, like you get closer to your house and like the, the, it's almost like we're in the area. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Like I, I, I will do a show for an hour and a half yeah. myself. If I'd been up on stage, wouldn't have occurred to me. Yeah. Yeah. Bathroom. Yeah. True. Yeah. Like yeah. That. that Thought just goes away. Yeah. I've never had to stop a solo stand-up show to pop off to the bathroom. That's a good point. You kind of sense this but kind of stuff, I will sit in the audience of somebody doing exactly the same thing. Yeah. I'm probably drinking less in the audience. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, you would, yeah, would be, like, yeah. And they have one beer in the audience. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, I've got three on stage. Yeah, you got a vat So, I'm beer. drinking more, and yet I... I mean, that's kind of weird. You're sweating it out. That's what you're doing. Is that... Is that do you think that's... You must be. You must be. You work. You're, 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 you know, working hard up there. Like you I know, guess there's maybe a lot it's of... like uh, in Darwin. You know, you can drink a lot more because yeah, you just yeah. sweat all the time. Or uh, was it Bali last year when we were there? <laughs> yeah, you can just you, you just, just kept drinking, drinking the whole time. Yeah, drinking the what do they call it? Bing Tang. Bing Tang. Bing Tang. Yeah, we were. <laughs> Like, I mean, we had a lovely trip to Bali. Like, we, we all went there for Limo's uh, wedding. Limo! And it was, a, it was unreal. Yeah. We all, we all had, like, an unreal time. It's great. But, man, like, we... For people who didn't want to be the Bali cliche, we were consuming bintang yeah. at, like, hours of the day and in quantities that will rival any bargain going to Bali. While wearing West Coast Eagles jumpers. <laughs> I think, uh, I mean, I, 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 got, I picked up the belly, uh, but that... Only really affected me like the final day, and then I kind of had more impact when I kind of got home as such, uh, and gave the old bowl a workout. <laughs> Tell me about um, because I was paranoid about that. People mm. have heard me speak about this before because my major priority of going to Bali, because you know people had their various snobberies about Bali. Yeah, and mine was mine was mostly that I don't want to go somewhere that I am most likely to get some sort of food poisoning. Get cooked, yeah. Like, that's... I just don't dig that at mm. all. Like, uh, you know, people say India's beautiful. Never going to go there. <laughs> Never going to go there until it's, you know, like, it's likely that I will not, like... I'll be one of those people who takes my own baked beans. Like I was going to say, one I warn you, yeah, take a pallet of baked beans over there. Now, a friend of mine, we both shared the same meal and we both got sick. Um, and what, I, was the, what was the meal? Well, I think it was more... It was a salad, actually. Yeah, so that's um, your... That's your trap for beginners yeah that was the because problem because they wash the salad mm. with uh 
that water that hasn't been like filtered. I think it would have been the water because I was very careful about you know cleaning my teeth with bottled water and stuff yeah. like that. And there were a couple of times, one time I kind of forgot and I kind of just spat everything all over the mirror. It's like ah, right. Um, uh, and then um, yeah, but I figure it's that kind of like I was thinking on the plane ride home because there was a little kid who vomited behind me, and I just felt pretty much on that plane ride from Bali back to Australia, like that would be pretty much it the whole time, wouldn't it? People being crook. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, hmm. is because that would be my absolute nightmare. Vomiting on a plane? Well, I have done it one time before, yeah. um, coming back from Darwin, yeah. <laughs> and sat next to the Prime Minister, John Howard. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I was literally sitting next to Prime Minister John Howard, and I was vomiting the whole way. Now, what part? So, were you in the toilets when you... Were vomiting? Yeah. yeah. I didn't vomit in the pl- like out in the plane at all, but I vomited in the toilets maybe like six times. Was there a part of you, just a tiny part of you, that wanted, wanted to vomit, to vomit John on Howard. John Howard? Just because <laughs> that would be a great story. Yeah. And be like just to give a little bit of your own back. Right, yeah. Still not as offensive as children are. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be hilarious, vomiting on John Howard. You know, I, I, I see mean, in retrospect, I, I actually feel like I did miss a... A chance. A chance. Yeah. I, I, I never thought about it like that, but I maybe that would have been great for my career. Like when, you know, when Jim Jeffries got punched out on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it became a big viral thing. Mm. Like if I had vomited on John Howard, like I would have had a pretty inbuilt Rob Quantock audience for the rest of my life <laughs> at the minimum. I've got a friend who says that he lives near where John Howard is and he says he's always out the front um, raking leaves. That's just what he does. I suppose just, it's just retirement. Trying, yeah. Just trying to be spotted. Yeah, he's working in the just garden. Like, it's me. Well, a little bit in like his, that, wouldn't it? Suit? Yeah. Well, they said they did a zombie a zombie march. Is that what you call it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a couple of years ago. But they did a zombie march, but also they said so they were walking along and they're in weird makeup and they're going, bruh, bruh. and then they said they got out of the front of John Howard's house and he was sitting on the veranda. And they said they all just kind of stopped and acted normal and then kind of went a few houses down and started doing it again because they, they said it was like the school principal was kind of watching them. I love that John Howard terrifies zombies. <laughs> <laughs> Even the zombies were like, you know what, guys? Let's just walk normally and stop groaning past here. This is terrifying enough already. I always think those, I've seen them every now and then, those zombie marches, and I always just feel bad for like the little kids and stuff because it, it comes a point where it stops, but you're still in the makeup and the gear sure. and you've got to get home. Yeah. And so you just walk and buy five-year-olds and frightening them because he's look like a look like a fruit. Like they should be kind of like a, a, a selection of buses they can get they on to be, get, yeah, yeah, get yeah, back to the destination. Home. Yeah, yeah. You shouldn't be taking public transport. Public. <laughs> no, I agree with you. That seems like an oversight by the organisers. Don't get on a tram or a train. And also a zombie shouldn't have a Mikey or an Opal card. That doesn't fit in with the... Uh... Well, it's like you don't want you to see your Santa at the Smoko Bridge. Ah, uh, yeah, like, you know, yeah. You can't go out for a smoking in Definitely. Santa suit. Don't want to see Mickey Mouse without the head having right. a fag, yeah. Yeah, and it's the same with your zombie wall. <laughs> <laughs> Should wipe it off. Yeah. But food, we're on to food. Oh, yeah. So you were, you're talking to me about chicken and, and oh, barbecue yeah. chicken. I wanted you to hear about... I wanted to hear about what it is about the barbecue chicken chicken that you enjoy well this and how do you consume it well i have to there's a, when i go to the chicken shop mm-hmm. sorry i didn't mean to no, run, no, but like, when i go to the chicken shop there is something about going to a chicken shop that reminds me of a my youth mm. and b there's just it does seem very inviting mm. like there's a range of things there where i'm like oh this seems like i feel like i'm missing out <laughs> when i go in there to buy it for the dogs yeah. i feel like i'm missing out on this world yeah yeah right? um there was a i i there was actually a, a chicken shop near me when I was um, eighteen or nineteen. I was working at a bottle shop, and I'd um, I'd work kind of like maybe like five pm to eleven pm, or kind of those kind of hours. And so I would have dinner before I went okay. to work. 
And so I regularly go into this chicken shop and get um, chicken and chips. And then I went overseas for half a year and then I came back and went into that chicken shop and the couple were like, where were you? Right. <laughs> where were you? Like we, we had to take a second mortgage because you weren't around keeping us afloat because I would have it that many times a week. No, I absolutely understand what you mean. I, I was alarmed to learn like, because I'm back after 20 months essentially of being away. I've mm-hmm. not been in Sydney for more than three weeks in the last 20 months. Wow. And I, so in the last, now I've been back for like, you know, two months or whatever. And I do what I ordinarily do is like, you know, and I'm not ashamed to say this, but I drink probably every day and I, I like to have a beer at night or today during the day. It's my, you know, kind of half day off. Um, and I've gone to, I go to about three or four bottle shops yep. because I don't like to... The idea, yeah, I know. <laughs> right. uh, but when I came back from 20 months away, what I realised is they were all grateful I was back. <laughs> so obviously I was going to each of them individually yep. enough that it still hurt their business that I was not around. I remember years ago going in a bottle shop near where I lived and uh, at the time I was working on a sketch show and the lady whose daughter, she liked the sketch show and so she, I got auto- she said, could you get autographs to the people? So I got a photo printed out and went around and got the autographs of the people and I took it into that bottle shop and she gave me like that six pack of beer for free and then I went back in again a bit later whenever it was and I think she might have given me like a bottle for free or something and then it was weird like I didn't want to keep going back there kind of making like that she felt like she owed anything and I didn't want to feel like I, it, and so I just kind of stopped going yeah, there because I was like I was like and you I can't, actually stopped going to that place yeah that weird moment like is she gonna give it to me for free it's weird that she gives me the free. I don't want it for free but I do want it for free <laughs> <laughs> but that was my pre-glute so I just got glutenized about 10 years ago now I reckon so when I go to chicken shop it's because they've got stuffing a lot of it has stuffing oh yeah okay so I can't eat those ones but um uh, there's one down the road from me at the minute actually that does uh uh, does kind of a rice stuffing. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is a bit weird, but I'm but I, I'm after the chook, mate. I'm right. So the, tell me the, about the chicken. So what would be your standard order at the chicken shop? Uh, that and then like their roast veggies. Yeah. So we can't have the chips, but there yeah, they've got a nice other array of kind of like potatoes and uh, carrots and the like. So I chuck that in there. The, yeah. The roast veggies always look good. Yeah. And there's no reason I couldn't have those roast veggies. No, not but at all. Somehow. Hmm. I don't buy roast veggies at the chicken shop. So do you get fussed if like your veggies like touch meat and the like? Nah, I'm no. not. No, in fact, no, mm-hmm. I don't. And my kind of general philosophy is, and I, I like it, of everything is like about the world is like that we should try to take no more than we need, mm-hmm. right? So I don't need deep meat. And like I actually really enjoy most of the things I eat. I don't really feel like I ever miss it. Mm. Like... And I just stopped because I thought, you know, what if I don't have to eat meat, then I won't. You know, that probably seems like the right thing to do. But I'm not one of those people who has that like... So, for example, the other day at work, I they had some... There was a bowl on the on the desk at work of like uh, mixed like lollies and stuff. Yeah. And uh, like snakes and shit like that. And I had a couple. And I didn't like go, hey, can someone go and check the packet to see if these are the ones that have gelatin yeah, in yeah. them or not? Like, yeah. I mean, I was like, you know... It's not made of meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and oh, and often if we're at a thing and they haven't provided any vegetarian food, but they've got like say a ham and you know a salad sandwich or whatever, I would just take the meat out yep. and eat pick the it out. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, In that situation, I always feel a bit like it's almost like worse to be vegetarian. Though I will say that, whereas like I feel like I'm wasting the meat. 
Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. at least the person who's eating the meat that, is consuming the meat and the animal died for a reason. That Whereas, like, for me, I feel like in that one situation where I'm taking it out, I'm, I'm almost like, morally, like, if I was going to argue this, it'd probably be more moral to eat the meat yeah, and that, honour the animal than it is to just, like, throw it to the side because, like, I'm a vegetarian. Yeah, yeah. But, but that, I think that would get me back then into eating meat. So, and I, obviously I feed all the dogs and cats meat and stuff like that because I'm not one of those people who's like, I'm a vegetarian, so my cat eats kale yeah, or yeah. whatever. Um, are you... Um, I was speaking about this the other day with a mate of mine. Um, are you a fan of the show Man Vs. Food? I, I, I wouldn't say a fan, but I watch a bunch of his stuff. That's that guy Fieri, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no. It's, it's the guy, another guy, Adam someone, I think. And he, so he goes around and does all the eating challenges oh, around that's America. that's the eating challenge one, of yeah, course. Yeah, like that is the most amazing show in the world to me. I love that. When there's a Man Vs. Food marathon on Fox Hill, I'm done. <laughs> I will watch, um, no, I was thinking of, um, I can't remember the one I was thinking of, but I watch... Uh, Guy Fier- Fierro, or whatever his name is. blonde, spiky yeah. guy, yeah. I watch one he, he does called Diners, oh, that's uh, right. Dives and Drive-Ins, yeah, or whatever yeah. it is. And then, when we were in, like, Portland, we went and ate in one of, like, those places. Yep, yep. And it was great. <laughs> and, in, and in America, they're that prevalent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, everywhere. So, like, the Superman 2 didn't lie to me when he goes to the gets beaten up by the trucker and then at the end goes back. No, I mean, it's like... And the great thing about it is that it is that real. I think that's that that food of excess yeah. is what America does best at food. Yeah. Like I remember I was in uh, Alaska, I think it was, and it's like Sunday morning and I'm hungover. I've been there for a week doing some shows, mm-hmm. but I don't have a show until like that night, and I want to have like a lazy Sunday. Yeah, read the papers, like you know, have some breakfast, you know, just kind of like recover. You know that one. So I've gone, and all I wanted was like um, a to- like a, oh, a, che- a cheese omelet. And uh, some toast. That's what I wanted. Cheese omelette and some toast. And the cheese omelette and toast that I ordered came with a hash brown, a side of pancakes, and another <laughs> side of toast. Like, that was just standard yeah. what it came with. Yeah. And I was like, that's actually three other separate meals. <laughs> like, I don't have three friends with you. <laughs> they got your order wrong. This is crazy. <laughs> that's mad. So, have you, have you had grits? Yes. And what, what is grits compi- compiled of? I don't really know. It's mm. like, I was, Amy and I were trying to work that out one day of like what grits actually mm. was. Is it fast or something? I only know, I, my first mm, connection to grits was um, my cousin Vinny. Joe Pesci would go to the diner all the time and they'd offer to make him grits and he was kind of like, what the hell is this shit? Right. And that's, so that's how I became fascinated by grits. I mean, it's southern food, right, yeah. I think. Yeah. It's grits. Oh, you know what? Now I'm going to have to fucking look it up. I'm going to pause for a second. All right. Ramona is now sitting on my lap. We've decided to just open the door and she can come in and stop barking. That's okay. Uh, now, I have also looked up uh, grits. It's good. Uh, you know what the thing is? Because I watch a lot of, you know, those competitive cooking shows like Top Chef and stuff yep. like that. And often they'll do a, like a twist on grits or something like that. Uh, yep. And it's one of those things where you've heard it a million times mm. and you've always kind of been like, I kind of get the gist of what it is, but I'm not really sure what it is. And we have access to that information now. We live in an age where it's as easy for me to go on. Like, I mean, it turns out Grits has a longer Wikipedia entry than my, I do. <laughs> I've worked for 20 years, but Grits is fucking killing me. You've won more awards. Yeah. Well, yeah. Has Grits been nominated for whatever that fucking award I win at the Melbourne Comedy yeah. Festival is? <laughs> uh, all right, here we go. Grits has never taken down the advertising industry. <laughs> exactly. Take that. 
Uh, okay, grits. Grits have their origin in Native American corn preparation. Ah, so corn, actually, that's right. Yeah, it's for some kind of corn Yeah. Thing. So, uh, traditionally, the hominy for grits was ground on a stone mill. Oh, okay. Well, just tell me what's in it, though. Grits is a food made by, here we go, boiling ground maize. So, that's uh, maize. Yep. Uh, and it's usually served with other flavorings as a breakfast dish, usually savory. It's popular in the southern United States. So, yes, it's a southern food. Okay. Um, and it's kind of like a porridge. Which you, you yeah, which you would then, would you then kind of fry it a bit or kind of add a bit of something to it to make it, it's almost like, yeah, a yeah. dough even. Or like, um, or like polenta, a bit like a ah, polenta. Gotcha. So, it's like you, you kind of, yeah, like, yeah, okay, grits. There you go. Um, Is it tasty? I don't know if I've ever eaten grits. I oh. think I have. I like, but I don't. I, I can't a hundred percent tell you. Mm. Like it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm sure I've ordered it. When you said before, have you eaten it? I was like, yeah, grits. And then I was like, <laughs> can't actually think of a time where I have eaten grits, but I'm I'm sure that I've ordered it. How uh, have you found the dining in America? Well, in LA, it's amazing uh-huh. because I like you know to be a like vegan or vegetarian, and I would say I probably eat probably seventy five percent, eighty percent vegan when I'm in LA because yeah. the food is like so easily accessible and so amazing that I just don't feel the need to. I mean, I still have milk in my coffee because I like coffee milk and oh. uh, I like butter. So yeah. I snuck butter into a vegan restaurant in Philly. <laughs> 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 I went to this restaurant called Veg. It's the best vegan restaurant. One of the best, probably top five restaurants I've ever been to in my life. Yep. And I went on the Friday night and uh, it, the meal was amazing. Like, uh-huh. Amazing. And I was so into it that I was like, oh, fuck it. The minute I walked out, I literally stopped at the like at the front desk and said, do you have an availability tomorrow night? I'm going to come back again tomorrow <laughs> night, right? But the only thing was they had this like bread that they served with like this mushroom soup that they had. And yep. I was like, this would just... You need it. Just a little bit of it. butter, right? And so the next night I got like this like corner table like in the dark. <laughs> so you planned it. I planned it. You planned it. Yeah, I, uh-huh. I took in some just some little, you know, not. I didn't take in a tub of butter. Yeah, I didn't go on, like down to the supermarket and grab a tub. I like just one, yeah, a couple that of those little, little satchel, packets. Yeah, and I just snuck them in. And wow, then, uh, you get through security. Yeah, <laughs> I had a mask. Yeah, yeah, it's strapped to your body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you put pepper in it to get this yeah. the scent off the dogs. Like, why are you bringing in all these coffee granules? <laughs> you brought it in in a boogie, in a boogie board. board bag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got sent to vegan jail <laughs> where you had to eat meat the whole time as punishment <laughs> much like ordinary jail oh dude oh barley prison oh that'd be hard work that'd be hard work i mean prison it? in general have you been reading any of this stuff that's been happening to uh hey dad the hey dad uh, didn't he get water, boiling water thrown at him or something boiling water but like dude. his first night like it was shit and piss dude. and like all those sort of i mean because you know, like being a, a like a pedophile is yep. even in the prison hierarchy is like you know looked down on. Really, no, but does, does he get any points though for being on Australia's longest running sitcom? I'm, I I feel like that, <laughs> that's two strikes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> first strike is hey dad. <laughs> they notify him, but they don't tell the club. Second strike is pedophilia. They're like <laughs> gonna put him away for something. They couldn't make the first one stick. It's like they got Al Capone for tax evasion. They <laughs> like wanted for that. I reckon. Uh, I don't have thought about it too much, but I reckon, and I don't know how long the length of time would be. But if I was given a certain amount, of, uh, say I got seven years or whatever it was, yeah. I think I might 
take a few tablets and drift off. I don't think I could handle seven years of jail. Uh, and when they say life in jail, I think I'd be, nah, I'm not going to be here. Well, I, I, I have thought about this a little bit. Mm. And I, I mean, the violence of prison, I am not equipped for in any way. Yep. And I do not know necessarily how I would survive. Like, my... But the solitude of it and the actual, like, you know, the idea that my life is just, like, reading books and yeah, hanging yeah. out in a jail and watching tally yeah. and just kind of... Like, I, w- I think I would definitely be one of those people who, like, yeah, got a university degree yeah, or yeah. whatever. Like, I'm like, all oh, this spare time. Would you find God? Start a prison podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, what do you win for? <laughs> um... I think uh, I t- I'll tell you the um, thing I did once was, you know, Pentridge Prison in Melbourne. Yep. So there was a friend of mine that's now apartment. So that's where Chopper Reed was and the like uh, for a time. So that's been converted into apartments, most of that area. And it was one time where they left the door unlocked at, I think it's cell block H. It's like kind of where the heart of the hard one. Yeah. And so they actually did film the film Chopper in there. And so. And I th- think prisoner is prisoner cell block H. Yeah, that's true, actually, yeah. yeah. So they, uh, the door was open. So my friend and I thought, let's go and have a bit of an exploration. And so we went in there. It was one of the creepiest things in the entire world. So the kind of roof had fallen off certain bits. And so the cells were there and there were kind of leaves and the like in there. But uh, there's the big bluestone uh, walls and the like, and you could see the yard where that well, was kind of an indoor yard where they'd hang out. That's where they cut the ears off in the chopper film. And uh, we get to another gate, and that's open as well. And so we go, okay, let's have a look in here. And the ha- most haunting place you could possibly imagine where most horrific things would have happened. And then we got to another gate, and now you actually get to the proper kind of stereotypical look of the cells like there's two levels or three levels and it's like the main the main jail and then we could see like a few kind of security cameras and stuff so I'm like oh we better not go in there but also we're really happy that we got to turn back because it was like absolutely terrifyingly chilling like hideously fucking frightening and I, I mean, had a- you never Hear good reports about jail. No, no, no but like a like an old. <laughs> like, I've read the Yelp reviews and yeah, yeah, <laughs> they are terrible. <laughs> the service is terrible. And uh, and I made a mind, and he was telling the story. I told him that story, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I've done a tour of Pentridge Prison." Uh, he said they opened it up like a few years ago to have a pep have a look, and he said, "Yeah, I went on a first date there." What? And I was like, "What the what?" And he said, "Yeah, it didn't go really well. Like um, about halfway through, I as a bit of joke, I started kind of." I tell her, I said, you know, oh, I feel a bit emotional being here, you know, like, uh, you know, I haven't been here for a long time. And she's like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, yeah, I just spent a few years here. That's <laughs> was, a joke. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, what the fuck? And I'm like, hey, first date? Prison first date? What the what? And then to tell her that, <laughs> to keep trying to pull the wool over her eyes that you were there. Oh, I, mean, yeah. I feel like this is someone who's misinterpreted that women love a bad guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, single man, single yeah. man. <laughs> It's essentially like one of those guys uh, on Tinder who poses with the tiger. Uh, prison. Uh, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, yeah, I think that was the first date that went quite wrong for him. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, something I wanted to talk to you about today. Uh, let's mention, by the way, because I'm going to try to put this up today, and you're doing uh, your solo show at the Sydney Comedy Store tomorrow night, which is like Friday night, right? Friday, the 2nd of October, 7 p.m., my uh, one hour of me shouting swear words in an audience in a girly voice. Am I, am I selling it enough? Now, yeah, it's uh, comedystore.com.au, uh, 7pm uh, Friday the 2nd, yes, at the Comedy Store. I uh, saw this show in Melbourne. 
uh, at the Imperial. That's right. The Comedy Festival. That's right. Uh, I didn't get to see a lot of shows, but I uh, particularly wanted to see yours. It's convenient. I think it was four or five p.m., so it was, it was very yeah, convenient. It was four in the yeah. Afternoon, and the Imperial <laughs> happened to be just around the corner from my hotel. There we go. But <laughs> <laughs> look, I'm not saying I would have walked down to Swanson Street to see. Oh, uh, so I mean, that's the thing, though. I mean, you don't get to too many, you know, show. I didn't. I I I saw absolutely zero. I saw about ten minutes of like a late show that I wandered into because I was working full time and then doing gigs every night myself, and so I just. Literally didn't have the time to to do anything, and so yeah. This when whole I went to of- Edinburgh last year, I oh, uh, yeah, that's okay. Well done, Ramona. <laughs> um, uh, when I went to Edinburgh last year, I saw eleven shows or twelve shows because mm-hmm. I was really there just doing some sets and stuff. Yep. I didn't have my own show. I was really just there for ten or eleven days. It was going to be a holiday initially, and then I ended up doing like a dozen gigs as well. But um, but fun gigs because it's like you don't have that responsibility. Yeah. I was just doing like late and lives and like you know best of the fest and you know yep. shit like that set lists fun yep. stuff. And uh, I went and saw like eleven or twelve shows as well, all Australian shows. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> because I was like, I I want to see all these people's shows. Yeah, yeah. And I never get a chance to go and see them in Australia. Yeah. So yep. I'm gonna go and see them here. Um, actually, speaking of Edinburgh, I had a mate of mine. I went to South Africa earlier this year to write on. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. And there was a doctor, a South African doctor who was you know, looking after everybody. And um, she told me by email she was going to head to Edinburgh and have a look around. And I was like, oh, you should go and see um, Sam Simmons. And uh, she reported back to me the other day that she went along, she really liked it, and she got hit in the face with a piece of toast. And I was like, that sounds like a Sam Simmons show, doesn't it? Uh, Ramona is now back in the room and trying to uh, eat Michael's microphone. So That's sneaking coming. <laughs> Ramona, come here. Stop it. No, no. Come on. Licking my neck. Yeah. And now she's just presenting. That's good. Delicious. Um, All right. So, I I wanted to ask you about uh, Saturday uh, because you are a fan of the Hawthorne Football Club. What? And uh, they are playing in the AFL Grand Final. They are. On Saturday. Again. (laughs) <laughs> How many times have you seen them play in the grand final in your lifetime? Uh, I know every every everything I will say makes me an arsehole. I know that for a fact. Well, not you, really. I mean, okay, tell me two things. Let's set some context for this. Mm. Uh, do you or have you ever played for the Hawthorne football? Uh, no. No, okay. <laughs> and uh, do, how old were you when you chose to barrack for the Hawthorne football club? Uh, it would have been four years old. And uh, I have vague memories of the 1982 season. What made that decision for you? Uh, family. Okay. Yeah. So it was a family football team? It is. So and you've never played for the club? No, no. So most of what happens in regard to their success is... Like, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like you started barracking for them, like, when they were already good and yep. you were an adult. Bandwagon, you haven't yep. swapped teams to get there. No, no. And you have actually not been... A literal part of the success. No, no. So none of this is your fault. It comes from it comes from my my dad's dad was from Geelong and his mum was from Sydney and so his mum you know didn't really know what Australian rules was and the dad was like a mild fan of Geelong but it was also like look we're not we're probably not going to go and you know watch them play too much so why don't you barrack for a team? We left Geelong. Yeah, we got out of there. (laughs) We can't we can't go back to Geelong. Come on. And they lived near Hawthorne, the suburb of Hawthorne. Okay. And so he said, you should barrack for a team where you can wander down and watch them. And so he'd wander down as a little kid and, you know, he'd, uh, he'd, he'd wear his school uniform, he was told. Like when he said when he was about 10 or 12, he'd go there on his school uniform on a Saturday because he said, we, we didn't really have other clothes. And now I suppose it's like uh, everyone was presentable back then. 
Oh right, so yeah, yeah you had just to like get nineteen fifty or so. Footy, yeah, yeah. So and then like, you just wear your school uniform. Mm, yeah, it's not like you have like a. He said he didn't have a pair of jeans. So it was about twenty two. Yeah, so you know, um, so yeah, so he he's Kids today. He's the one Kids who kind today of don't know what it was, like, it was. You know what I mean? <laughs> didn't have a pair of jeans <laughs> until he was twenty two. <laughs> <laughs> Said, Kids today walking around with their jeans with holes in tell you them what. on yeah. purpose. Oh, look at me. I've got holes everywhere on my jeans. Right. Like, it's almost like a bit X-rated when you're from behind. It can be a little. <laughs> uh, I'll show you. Look, Will. Look. <laughs> um, These photos I have on my phone. And so my brother, i got an old brother, old sister, and so they got involved. Um, yeah, brother more than my sister, but she's still into it. And um, uh, so, yeah, so I think about four or so when I started getting involved and going to games and, and knowing what was going on. Yeah. I did go to Dermot Brereton's first game. I remember that. Because um, I remember I fell asleep, like, on my aunt's lap or something. Yeah. Because I was just a little one. And I went to the 1989 Grand Final, which oh, yeah. is my memory of uh, Hawthorne. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, I went with my friend Mark Howard, who's now, like, a sports reporter. That's right. He played and, cricket uh, with my brother. Works uh, works at uh, Triple M and mm-hmm. Channel 10, and he's doing very well. And Howie and I were great mates from school, and... Uh, and we went to 89 and I was, I'm a Bulldogs fan and I've mm. always been a Bulldogs fan. And in 89, I went as like Howie's friend to the grand final. Like we, I, I guess we were 15, yep. right? And I, at the time I was like, yeah, okay. My friend's taken me to the grand final. But as an adult who realizes how hard it is to get grand final tickets. Yeah. Like, what I realise is, in retrospect, those adults, like, you know, because, yeah, it's not like Howie... So they forked out for the ticket? Yeah. Yeah, they had to get it and fork they out for it. They had to get it. a yeah. ticket yeah. to take me. Yeah. Which would have Some to be... Some kid who's not even in their family, just their kid's mate. I know. To the greatest grand final of all yeah, time. Yeah, definitely. And also, I mean, if you... I'm, I'm sure tickets weren't $300 back then, but... It, on the equivalent scale, it oh, still would have been, been very pricey. Yeah. Like expensive and rare. Yeah. And they had to kind of hustle and bustle. Like, I know even this week, like, people are kind of, you know, I've got a few calls out and trying to, you know, wheel and deal. Like, I've working the phones, trying to get extra tickets for friends and the like, and, you know, going back and forth and hopefully having contacts. But they are, yeah, particularly rare. I know lots of people who are fans mm. who can't get a ticket to mm. the game. Mm. And I wasn't a fan. And people have never been to a grand final ever. Never. Hmm. Well, I mean, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm. It's very. I'm very lucky to be able to go and also that my team is in it. But it's be. This would be of my team and my football life. This would be the eight plus five, thirteenth grand final. So thirteen. So like essentially, like I mean, more than one in every three years. Yeah. You see your team play in a grand final. Yeah, I did the averages. I think it worked out. I think it was something like every. 2.1 like I think I think it might be 2.1 we make a prelim and then 2.5 we make a grand final or whatever and, and then it's like every 3.4 we win the premiership like it's something stupid our yeah. teams played each other in 1961 which yes. was your first grand final yeah. your first uh, grand final win yeah. your first premiership yeah and uh, we have not been back in the grand final since then no I haven't everyone's on board though everyone wants you to I mean yeah I yeah. mean but Give me a great story. Everyone wanting us to doesn't actually make it happen. <laughs> That's anyway. true. Everyone wants to be a millionaire. Yeah. I wonder, and so this is what I, I wanted to ask you, is how much happiness do you get out of, like, I mean, what does it feel like? 
Tell me what it feels like to yeah. have your team. T- tell me, I because Charlie says to me, like Charlie and I have this argument a bit. Yeah. He thinks it's worse to be a St Kilda fan because he's like, well, we've lost grand finals and I've seen that happen and we haven't won one. Yeah. And I'm like, no, because I've never even had this week, grand final week. You know, you hear all the sports commentators, they all just start wetting them fucking selves. Yeah. They're like, it's the best week of the year. Yeah. And I'm like, I've never been able to even feel like for a week, oh, fuck, we might win the grand final. I've never even experienced that. Well, friends of mine, um, this is back in 08, and I kind of thought this was a nice idea that someone came up with. We called it Week of Joy. And so that meant that we could do pretty much what we wanted to. So throw your diet out the window, you know, celebrate. You drink know, whatever you do, want to drink. Yeah, yeah, do whatever you want. But also weird things would happen where... You'd say you couldn't park there, and then you would, and then you'd come back and you wouldn't get a ticket. Like, little things like that would happen. But but also, we looked at it that, I mean, particularly that year, because we would have been big underdogs uh, playing against Geelong. We were looking at it that the Saturday afternoon, the result may be really bad. Like, it might be really, you know, sad. And so, at least you've eked out all the pleasure from the week as you possibly can. So, we'd go to the events and we'd... Might as well enjoy it. Mm, yeah. Like, like until... It's like I always... Uh, when I talk to people about... I don't know if you're a person who gets nervous about performing, but I always... Like, when people say, you know, how do you deal with your nerves about performing? Oh. I say, I'm never nervous beforehand. Because what I'd like to do is just act as if it's going to be great. Yeah, yeah. Because hopefully it will be great. Yeah. And I might as well, at least up until the point where it is or isn't great, yeah. think that it's going to be great. Now, that's not to say that like 30 seconds in when I've dropped my best opening joke and nobody's laughed, I don't then suddenly. Yeah. But there's plenty of time to panic when you need to panic. Yeah, yeah, there's worry about it when it happens. There's plenty of time to feel terrible when the terrible thing actually happens. Yeah. You might as well up until that point assume it's going to be okay. Uh, yeah, like I'm a massive warrior and I'm, I'm trying my hardest and, and getting better at kind of worry about stuff that you can't control and things that, are, uh, that you, you know, worry about it when it actually happens as opposed to thinking about it three months ahead and going, oh, but what if that happens? Um, so we, but even like a little thing like on that particular grand final, uh, just by chance there was a friend who worked at the town hall and so she got us these great spots on the balcony to watch the parade. So it's almost like when they turned the corner to head up um, Burke Street or whichever it was. Uh-huh. And, um, uh, and I <laughs> yelled out, you're an idiot, McLaren, at the umpire who was going around in his car and he heard it and he looked up at me and I was like, <laughs> win, win. <laughs> I was like, haunt your dreams. Um, but I look at it. When we win a... Poor well, guy. Actually, all grand final day, he was like, oh, maybe I am an idiot. Yeah. You know what? I actually thought that I was an idiot. And my wife does tell me that I am an idiot. But if complete strangers, yeah. if that young man... <laughs> that or, young girl who shouted at me. Girl, <laughs> her parents should be ashamed of her. <laughs> You're involved in an Adam Goodstyle incident. They have you marched out of the parade. <laughs> What? Umpire bashing in Australia has a face. What? And it's a 14-year-old boy <laughs> slash girl. <laughs> um, but the uh, the way I look at it... So if Hawthorne win a premiership, the way I look at it is that... And it even goes back to my childhood. Like, to me, that's that's a, a good year. Like, that... Right. That nothing... That's, that's your set baseline of, like, a good year is we win. Oh, no, it just means, like, that is forever going to be a good year in my life. So oh. even if I hear the year 1989, I go, oh, we won the premiership, that was a great year. 
Like it's so like it doesn't really matter whatever happened up until that point. Yeah, it's, it's like, like so it's like an etch a sketch of year. That year was that stuff. The thing is good enough that it erases all other. Yeah, it's a celebration. Yeah. Now, hey, thankfully, nothing hopefully happens that's awful to my family or anything this year. No, 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 no. But uh, but to me, like, yeah, when I hear that year, I go, oh, that's a good year. And also, like, in the back of my head, like, I hear, like, 1984 and we lost the grandfather. And I go, that's a bad year. Nothing good happened that year. But so so the last two years been great years. 2012, bad year. Wow. By and- that measure, I've had 41 bad years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it is, it's, it's, it is a... I, I want to ask you a genuine question, mm-hmm. and this may be... But I know that you love footy. You have uh, awesome football podcasts that I really love. <laughs> and uh, But, you know, you love footy in the way that I love footy and that Charlie loves footy, you know, like... So I know you get that it's not important, but at the same time you think it's really important. Yep. Like, you know, and how much effect do you think that it has on you more generally as a person? Because I assume that we have a certain amount of challenges and a certain amount of happiness and a certain Mm -hmm. amount of whatever that we have. And I often think that being a Bulldog supporter has in some ways, like, you know, I've been lucky enough that a bunch of things have gone well for me, but my football team has never gone well for me. And it's taught me certain character and I've learned certain lessons from it or whatever. Like, how much of, like, the joy that you have in your life? Like you said, it's a good year if, like, Hawthorne win. Mm. Like, do you think it actually affects your life and your personality more broadly than just being a football fan, I guess is my question. I reckon it could definitely say that it has, have, in one area of my life, it's just family-wise. Yeah. That's probably affected in a way by the fact that, because my sister has also married a Hawthorne supporter, so their three kids are Hawthorne fans and really into it. Well, as much as, you know, like a four-year-old girl, you know, run around chasing dolls can, you know, but they know of it. But the nine-year-old boy is really into it. Uh, and so uh, one thing definitely is that, you know, I go along to the Hawthorne home games and my mum and dad are there. And then sometimes the rest of the family will come along depending on their schedules and the like. But I think definitely it's uh, kind of bonded in that regard. Yep, yeah, yep. there's always something to talk about. Uh, and there's a... And constant contact. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, that's a oh. lot of... Contact, Dude. like, you know, with your parents as an adult. Yeah. For some people. For mm. me, it would be. Mm. Like, you know, my parents live on a farm and I travel the world for work. So I see them rarely, yep. you know. Yep. And so that amount of contact would substantially change, mm. you know, the relationship I have with them. Well, even just after the game on Friday night, so I... I- I, I was in Sydney and I was at a gig and um, uh, so mum and dad were watching it back home and my brother was watching it in London. And so as soon as the game finished, I then call up mum and dad and then I call up my brother in London who's been kind of keeping an eye on it on work and I uh, call up my brother-in-law. I mean, then, you know, working the phones, texting friends and like-minded people. But, uh, working the phones. But, yeah, it's it going to be a leadership challenge. <laughs> yeah, but the Where's very, Michael? He's working the phones. The first thing I usually do if there is like a win like that is call home and yeah. uh, and talk to mum and dad. Yeah. And we just kind of go, they were good, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> just, I just say things like that that don't really make much sense. Uh, and definitely on Saturday I'll be going to the game and that will be with my mum and dad and my um, uh, brother will be there. He's back from London for it. And he usually comes back for the grand final each year because I think it's a bit more more fun than the Christmas run, really. So I would say then if you uh, yeah if you've been a bunch of times you know you're kind of used to it by now mm-hmm. you would have maybe do you have a routine do you have a certain way that you think that like grand final day should be done like you know you've got enough experience and yeah, yeah. Like, whatever that you've probably like you know yeah yeah there's that, that reminds me of um there's a uh, Chris Judd's wife Rebecca 
Judd, uh, she talked about the Brownlow Medal. She was like always a big hit at the Brownlow Medal. And I saw an interview with her and she was talking about as if she was like a long-term player, talking about a younger player. So she's like, yeah, look, you got to, you know, you just got to tell the young girls to kind of, you know, relax and just, you know, like for the first time, it's kind of like, you know, you enjoy, know the week. It, enjoy the week. Like it, it was that. Like she was saying all of the cliches, right. but in terms of like someone walking the red carpet in a pretty dress. You got to take it one step at a time. It, it really was. Like it was so that, I mean, you know. you just got to really think about being in the moment. Just, you know. Enjoy gotta, it. Got to <laughs> aim it. Aim at the hips. Um, but they, uh, there's one thing I'm concerned about. It's my friend Declan. He is in New York at the minute. Can't make it back. And so, uh, yeah. And so the last two years when we've won the grand final, he's got a sausage, like a bratwurst thing from a particular van. Mm. And we were standing near it last year and he turned to me before the game and said, oh, I got a sausage there last year. And I've turned around and gone, we well, got to get one now, don't you? Right. And so I'm, I don't know who I'm going to have to get someone to eat a sausage for me. <laughs> I mean, probably also like someone Declan-ish. Ah, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, Declan someone like yeah, someone, someone uh, chatterbox. I need to get a uh, Kevin Smith. <laughs> no, you need like a Hawthorne fan as well. It's got to be like you got to get Lemo. Yeah, yeah. Well, Lemo will be floating around. Yeah, that'll be fine. Well, and yeah. So I want to. Pretty much what I do is I float around. Uh, I think I get back home into my flat about eight thirty a.m. And so I'll probably go to mum and dad's and catch up with my brother, my brother and the like, and then. Uh, heading there I, I like walking around and watching the radio coverage and there's always a bit of kind of kerfuffle and it's going to be a nice warm day so uh, you know you won't have to be walking around the rain or anything I, I enjoy the day mm. because I, I have often gone by myself like I've been lucky enough over the years that you know you know, I can get tickets if I mm. need to get tickets Yeah, and uh, I've seen it in various different you know formats i've sat in cheer squads i've like sat you know just in regular seats my dad and i went to you know a couple of great grand finals together and just you know sat out in the crowd and whatever but i've also been in you know corporate boxes and yep, the whole yep. sort of experience but i do i love like i'm happy if i'm there with people who want to do the same things as me but i don't want to miss out on all that like stuff like walking around and watching mm. everybody like you know dressed up and just enjoying themselves and like i love to go and like, uh, you know, watch the radio shows, do mm. the live broadcasts and stuff. But a couple of years ago, I was down and uh, it was one of the Hawthorne ones. It might have been like even, I don't think it was last year. It might have been the year before. Mm. And um, uh, 3AW were doing like their li- live broadcasts. And uh, Lisa Lee Matthews, yeah. my favourite uh, footballer of all time. Uh, and uh, Matthew Lloyd and a whole bunch of other guys, Dwayne Russell, were doing like the panel. And... Uh, their like roving reporter has spotted me in the crowd and Lloyd, uh, Lloydie said, Oh, Will Anderson's here in the crowd. And so they've taken the microphone over to me, like for a little bit of like a live cross thing. And they've asked me who I wanted to win. Oh, it was Swans and Hawthorne. Yeah. And I can't, I just can't, ba- like, I mean, I, I said, just as like a Bulldogs fan, you can't be happy for Hawthorne to have more premierships. It just like, it feels like it started with us and it's only rubbing it in our face every time they win another one, right? It feels like it's almost personal. It's a, yeah, like it's a direct threat at you guys. Us, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Remember 61! Yeah, right, exactly. Come on, guys. Yeah, they watch the match before they, go, they run out <laughs> in black I, and white. I, I just feel like we started the streak. Yeah. And so... <laughs> But I, but Lee Matthews was there, and at the same time, I didn't want to like say something negative like in front of him because I don't want Lee Matthews, you know, not to like me. Uh, anyway, uh, the, I love all that stuff. I love the, the day. Yeah, I love soaking all all up that stuff. I mean, I, uh, I you know, I did uh, when I went down for the Bulldogs game uh, for the final. That I went and did uh, Triple M's a rub. I had a chat to the Wolfpack. Yep, went in and I listened uh, to that. It's great. Did half an hour of uh, the rub on Triple M, yeah. which is my like. 
I, I, it's one of those great things, the rub, because I can't explain to anyone really why I love it as much as I yeah, love yeah. it, but I do love it. Yeah, yeah. Did they say turn it up at any stage or that's a stitch up? Uh, look, there was a lot of footy talk, <laughs> but luckily I'm so across that show. Like if I was going to go on some like, you know, mastermind style thing, yeah. like I know every in joke, I know every reference. Yeah, so yeah. the whole time I'm just dropping references uh, to yeah. things, they know. which they of course like they love. love it. Yeah. And it's like, but it's cheap, but it's like, this is my area of speciality. Like I've listened to every minute of this show that you've done. Hey, I tell you, I did last year my pregame ritual and I didn't realise it was back on but it's back on again this year went to a thing called Capapalooza so, so to, I, I've heard you talk about this on your podcast but like uh, what is what is Capapalooza Capapalooza is a place at the, it's a, at the Savoy Tavern which is now down near um, uh, Southern Cross Station and they had an event it's Grand Final Day hosted by Warwick Kappa now, for our international listeners, about <laughs> half of the people who listen to this podcast yeah. are from overseas, explain who Warwick Kappa is. Warwick Kappa was a star player for Sydney in the mid to late 80s, and uh, he had long blonde hair and really, really tight shorts. He really kind of tight shorts. A very, very good player. He kicked 100 goals in 1987, which is kind of a great, achieve- which is a great achievement. And also and people a spectacular forget- mark. Yeah, his main thing was taking what they I mean, would call well, a specky. Mo- yeah, speckies. Mm. Like marks that in today's game, none of which would be legal. Uh, yeah, like- well, <laughs> jumping on people's shoulders. Yeah, quite <laughs> yeah. incredible. People, people forget that he was a very good player too. Like that's because, yeah. but also because he's now moved into a world of. Uh, if there's a reality TV show, he's probably going to be a contestant on it. Um, get his cock out. He's either he's either a genius who's playing us all for a fool, or he really is uh, a man who can't really put a sentence together. I think what he's managed to do is he's managed to because I don't think he's the the first of those things. Yeah, like I don't think that it's like some. I think he's one of those people who understands his who he is. Yeah, and and that's sometimes in life that's that can be enough. Like, if you realise that the Warwick Kappa appeal is where he's at and what he's doing, then I guess he's doing the best at that that he possibly yep. can be he's doing. He's been the best Kappa that he can. Yeah, exactly. But you can do things like... I mean, he's get been a- 100% Warwick. He made a porno. That's right, yeah. And you can do things like you pay a certain amount and you get a weekend at Warwick's. Yeah. So you can go and stay at his Gold Coast Resort uh, apartment and he'll hang out with you for the day. But the whole place, like, decorated with him, like, his face on the pillows and the like and cutouts of him around the place and you watch the footy in the big red chair. In uh, football, uh, often uh, when kids are playing kick to kick, uh, you know, That's you'll right. yell out like the names of, yeah. uh, you know, like the, whichever like forward or high you know, market. You might yell out Cyril as you go for a yeah. mark, right? Uh, Warwick Kappa. Uh, I played in a celebrity game with Warwick Kappa <laughs> at the SCG on the SCG yeah, at yeah. halftime uh, at the SCG for Red Kite, I believe it was for. And uh, Warwick Kappa, when we were playing kick to kick beforehand to warm up would take marks but yell out his own name. Well, we would do that in the schoolyard when someone would take a high mark. Yeah. You'd go, Kappa! I wonder yeah. who they'd call so, out so nowadays. Warwick. Well, I think initially it was Jezza. I think people shout Jezza yeah. and then it moved on to Kappa. And then I wonder who they would call out nowadays. Um, Jeremy Howe! Well, yeah, it doesn't have Howe. <laughs> doesn't really have the same ring to it, does it? I suppose Modra probably yeah. was the one for a while that as well. Louis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Goldstein! Um... Yeah, Cyril, Cyril would be an easy one, actually, because it's just a simple, yeah, two-syllable. It needs to be two syllables, doesn't it? can't be too long. Is he on Syracuse? Yeah! Buddy, you could yell at me. Ah, uh, buddy. buddy. Yeah, true, true. Um, 
But uh, yeah, so Kappa uh, would host the day. So we wandered down there before it started and uh, spent about an hour kind of looking around. They'd had a band playing, a cover band playing. And then the Wiz entered in all his glory. Okay, what, and what does the Wiz wear to something like this? The Wiz was wearing kind of like a vest. It had, yeah, a shirt with no sleeves, I suppose. So the, the guns were showing. Okay, yeah. Um, nice. Had the sunglasses on. Still long hair? Uh, not so long now, yeah, but he's still got it at least. Um, Is it more of, like your Bon Jovi Bob now? Yeah, or? yeah, with a little bit of colour in it. Yeah, you know? okay. Yeah. But still feels like you're still rocking his hair? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a part of him. And he, he looks pretty Do fit, man. Do you think man. that he would ever, like, if he went Bob, the mm-hmm. Wiz would he go to a wig go Andre Agassi you know I mean? like, style you know, yeah would he, do you think he'd wig it up because it's such a signature for him I think he'll be okay for a while because I think he'd have to be pushing 50 wouldn't he oh yeah and so if it's not falling up by now you know it's he's probably point. got it for a while um I mean, maybe he's done a bit of hair replacement. I'm not really totally sure, but it, it, it looked he looked good. But he got the, he's got the nice tan, and he's got you know pretty pretty. He's solid, but he's not like gone to seed or anything. Um, and he was just walking around, working the magic, just shaking hands, signing records, getting photos. And then apparently I, I had to leave before the actual game. But apparently he'd kind of host the court it so uh, and do I suppose kind of sportsman's night anecdotes and hand over prizes and the like. And and he does the thing where oh, like we were saying, he does the thing where he gets two guys to because uh, you can hire him for your bucks night and stuff like that but he gets two guys to kind of two or three guys to kind of lift him up sideways kind of replicating one of his marks and he goes yeah <laughs> <laughs> so we did that so because I, I went back later on and asked the barman what 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 happened during the day and he was like oh yeah it was it was all right it was all right um but it's happening again this year so it must have been enough of a hit and right. they can pay his price or whatever then they yeah so i have no idea what you'd charge for something like that but it's it's just a bit of glad handling and uh and i mean everybody loves a whiz i mean it's a great way to spend your grand final day all right michael oh well that's um we should uh, wrap this up uh tell me uh uh, you still have some uh podcast before the end of the football season what happens over the off season do you still podcast yeah definitely definitely it's the jock time alpha podcast and we um with my friend adam rosenmarks and we do we would do wrap-ups of uh, the grand final and then also uh, trade because trade, trade, trade works so, so i think we did two for trade Short and then, version of trade radio and we'll pop up a few interviews but there's always something happening there's always there's always stories cooking along footy it's 2020 it's a 12 month year game there's no off season there's no off season it sells papers and all like so they're always looking for stories and and we'll hopefully do a few more kind of interviews with a. Uh, I've got one mate particularly who played one game for Richmond, so I'm quite fascinated doing an interview with him, kind of see what the, what those no, life and times okay. were. You can, what do you need? Hello. Hi. Oh, hi, Ames. Hi, mate. You good? Oh, today was the worst. Okay, hang on. I'll pause this thing. Um. All right, we were just about to finish anyway, hmm. and uh, so we paused when Amy said, "Today was horrible." <laughs> I, was like, okay, I killed a man with my bare hands. Probably, probably that's an off-air conversation. I committed a crime. Uh, yeah, Junk Time AFL uh, podcast. People can see you at the uh, Sydney Comedy Store uh, yes. tomorrow night if they're listening to this on the day that it comes out. Friday, October 2, 7pm. And uh, after that, uh, you're going to do Melbourne again next year? Stuff yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go to Perth in you know, early November. Oh, brilliant. And uh, Hobart, I think, on about the 28th of uh, October. Is there some place where people can find that information, Michael? Uh, probably the Facebook page probably the best one, I reckon. Yeah, so look for Michael Chamberlain on Facebook. And I'll be uh, in Perth next weekend with Justin Hamilton at the PCEC, so come out and see that if you're a West 
West Coast fan, uh, maybe you'll be celebrating. Maybe yeah. you'll be commiserating. Either yeah. way, it's a great show. <laughs> if you're a Frio fan, you've had a couple of weeks to get over it. Come yeah. and enjoy it. You the need show. a laugh. Lighten yeah. up. It'll be brilliant. Um, all right, guys. Oh, and my Political Will show is on in November uh, at Giant Dwarf. It is being massively rewritten as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's fucked everything up. I had one bit that finished with a Tony Abbott reference and it's like, just does not work Mate, anymore. I had fucking 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, true. We'll talk to you guys soon. Cheers. Cheers.